like we got another show to do. Great. Let's get it over with. The Memorial Tournament, DraftKings, Analysis, Cutline, going to break it all down. Happy Memorial Day, ladies and gentlemen. Memorial Day is a very special time to remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for their country in which they love. Make sure you take a moment for the leaders and men and women who protect our way of life. And this brings us to the Memorial Tournament at Mirfield Village. And the cut line is going to bring you in-depth analysis of the best plays for this weekend's tournament. But before that, hello Canada. Hello USA. Hello, UK. We'd like to welcome three listeners from Australia, so let's hope that they come on back. And the Cutline appreciates all of our listeners. Remember that you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So make sure you subscribe and stay up to date with the Cutline. Fun is winning, and winning is mucho divertido. I am Mike Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter, and I am looking forward to this weekend's Memorial Tournament. I have a new approach. And I'm hoping to get back onto the positive ROI train. And on the other side of the mic is my man, Mulligan Manafort, Zero Iron Zach, the man with the master plan, and Martin Pillar's number one fan, Zach Manafort. Zach, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm feeling uh, coming out of a little sickness this weekend, but overall I'm starting to feel better. I'm gearing up for Memorial Tournament this week, and I'm kind of excited to just I'm taking a new approach as well. Uh, I've been kind of scraping by through unfortunate incidents, as we'll talk about. But I think I'm going to change it up a little bit, so you'll see that in my, in my comments here. But I'm ready for this week. How, how about you? How are you doing? I, I am inspired by you and your score of 110. Uh, as you should be. This, this week is the encompassing week of my major playing season, where for the next three months I'm going to play nearly three four times a week at various courses but this week we start off at cog hill in lamont and i'm pumped i am super pumped we're looking at 27 holes of sheer gloriousness and if i get to 110 i hope it's on like hole 27 <laughs> that that happens well uh, i wish you the best yeah yeah I, I don't need the best i am the best <laughs> I'm the greatest secret not on the PGA Tour, and it's disappointing. Well, you know, we'll have to see. I, you know, I've only got one round this season, so I'm starting to gear up a little bit more and play a little bit. My 110 will hopefully be the, the highest number I ever put up. Yeah, uh, I doubt that. I'm just being honest. That? Who said that? All right, Zach can be found on Twitter at EaglesFan83. You can also find the cut line on Twitter at TCutline, where Zach and I break down PGA like no other podcast out there hey dad come out well last week brought about our dumbass award and this week the cut line brings you a better transition and of course we're gonna do it cut line style you have to fill out a form just to throw something in the garbage 
I'm fucked. Beavis, you're a stupid dumbass. Ass clown. Dumbass! You dumbass! You're a dumbass! Such a dumbass! You are a colossal ass hat. Oh, oh no, I beg to differ. Oh dear God. You see, my name's Billy, and I just won King of the Ring, but there's one problem. Everybody still thinks that I absolutely suck! Your fiance is an asshat. He's not an asshat. Hey, watch your language, okay? Oh, what language? Yeah. Mr. Dumbass, I can bring a lot to dumbass and dumbass. I'm a go-getter. Dumbass material all the way. So, am I your man, Mr. Dumbass? This week's winner is... Ryan. Now, Ryan didn't reach out via Twitter, but he did inform me via text that he had zero dollars coming back this way. His way. Uh, gained zero dollars in profit. So cheers, buddy. Jeez, this must have been some real shitty lineups. And of course, this week's winner is going to get a set of tees and a sleeve of tailor-made TP5s. And who knows what else the cut line's going to give away. Zach has tons of things. Maybe your lineups are so awful that he'll be giving away a toilet plunger. Who knows? But you've got to tweet out cheers, an image of your bad lineups, or just worst plays, and tag the cut line. And the reason we do that is we like celebrating awfulness here at the cut line, and we know that most of you are not good at PGA DFS golf. And that's why you come here for the best analysis available. Now, the cut line brings you in-depth DraftKings analysis of the uh, the memorial at Mir <laughs> Mirfield Village. It's all right. <laughs> we'll new week. New week, new tournament. New week, new tournament. And we'll do the best we can. Scotty's on fire! To give you the best opportunity to cash on Sunday. We'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And now the goal of the cut line is to make sure that not only is your tournament lineup in the green, but so is your bankroll. We're looking forward to GP win GPP wins and plenty of cash. Now, as always, a special thanks to PGA and Fantasy National for all the stats they provide for golf fans and PGA DFS enthusiasts. Fantasy National is helping draftees create unique lineups based on key stats and analysis. Trying to figure out why you're struggling week in and week out? More than likely, it's because you're not considering Fantasy National. You're ending up on the wrong side of Flagstick, so I ask you, how are your lineups doing? Zach, how did you do last week at the Schwab? Hey, you know, it wasn't too bad. I want to start off with saying, you know, our guarantee segment of the week, my guarantee to make the cut did make it in Vaughn Taylor by shooting a great 67 on Friday. Uh, then he just tanked and ended up 5 over in 58th. Uh, so, you know, he made the cut, did what he had to do. Uh, I had a pretty good, solid core going Thursday. It looked really good with uh, Paul Casey in about 60 to 70% of my lineups. And I saw 69 on Thursday. I was like, all right, here we go. This is the week it all comes together. And then, of course, he got sick and went through Friday. So that kind of tanked pretty much everything I had. Uh, but the other 30 to 40% did pretty well. Um, so I ended up kind of breaking even a little bit more, like maybe 5% gain. Nothing crazy. Uh, Could have been much better if Casey you know, didn't get sick. But what can you do? Those things you can't predict, so you know, basically staying afloat again till this week, and we're all gonna we're gonna put it together, 
and we're going to come away with a much better win this week at the Memorial. How'd your lineups do? Uh, we we didn't lose too much, which is okay. It, it started tilting. I, I lost Louie right away. Yeah. You know, and that hurt my 20 max. And, and you know, I got five of six in those lineups through with Louie being withdrawn. And then, of course, the Casey News didn't help. Another five, six lineups that really helped. That just, it hurt the cash potential. So that that was uncomforting. You know, my monster pick, Ben Crane, didn't finish in the top 25, but that's fine. He did make the cut, but then, of course, my guarantee just, I don't even remember, Stefani, he sucked. But <laughs> is what it is, you know. That 6K range is so volatile. And, you know, last week really made me think about the schedule and how everything's playing out in PGA. And <clears throat> things we valued in the past in terms of DFS standpoint, I, I had to rethink. Fatigue's different, play's different, focus is different. And we're trying to make all these assumptions. And, and the I think the better players right now are, are very keen in on that. Or they're getting lucky. Who knows what's going on? Needless to say, I, I, I'm changing my approach. I, I have to realize that, sure, there are last year's results, but last year's results happened at different times of the year uh, when players are focusing on different things. So that's what I'm looking for for this week and, and going to just just move on past uh, recent approaches that just haven't worked the last three weeks and, and try new things. So Yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right. I mean, this is a new PGA schedule that shifts all the courses around. So, I mean, guys are out of sync from what we've seen the last five, six years. So, yeah, it's going to shake up how guys approach things before majors and taking their downtime and which do they skip. Yeah, so I think we do have to adapt and kind of how we look at it uh, going forward. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on the same line as you. I, I kind of shifted my focus for this week, too. And I'm really trying to make a qualifier. It's 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 like it's one of my focus goals. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm not entering all the bullets in those qualifiers because it's winner take all, and which is actually really stupid from a DFS standpoint, and not something I normally do. But um, um, it it is something that I'm going to make just a goal of mine by the end of the season to get to that to that major golf championship. So. This week, we're going to move on to the Mirfield Village Golf Club in the PJ Memorial Tournament. This is Jack Nicholas's hometown course, and has been a staple on PJ Tour and often ranks in the top 20 on tour. Past winners in the field include DeChambeau, Tiger Woods, Justin Rose, Duffner, Matsuyama, and Matt Kuchar. Zach, this course is unique. What are our golfers looking at this week? So I really like this one. You know, I'm usually not a fan of the invitational type PGA events, but this is another one. I really actually, this is probably one of my favorite invitationals. So again, we only have 120 golfers in this this week because of the invitational status. We're back in the Midwest. We're moving to Muirfield Village for Memorial Tournament in Dublin, Ohio, sponsored by Nationwide. So get ready to hear plenty of Peyton Manning commercials this week if you watch it on television. I think they've already begun to air on some of the practice rounds. So get used to hearing the jingle. It's going to be stuck in your head for a week or two. So, Muirfield Village, what are we looking at? We're going back to a par 72 course this week, so, you know, it's still going to be a second shot heavy course, despite it being a much longer length than last week's par 70. Looking at about 7,300 yards, big hitters are going to have an advantage on about four of the par fives here, but almost every other hole requires extremely accurate tee shots, so a large emphasis is going to be placed on irons for your second shot and approach this week. The field is, is a, lot, a little bit weaker than we've seen in the last two weeks. So out of the top 100 golfers in the world, only 60 of them are present here this week. And only 28 of those are in the top 50. So you never know how the, the leaderboard's going to shake out. And I think, you know, as I break down, as we all break down, you know, the plays this week, 
I think there's, there's a lot better plays in the lower ranges, and we'll, and we'll talk about those. But these guys have a, a shot to win this outside of where they're not participating in, like, huge events where, like, top the 20 or the top 25 guys are playing. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. The weather this week is looking pretty good. Uh, it's pretty calm Friday. Still kind of early to tell, but it looks like there may be heavy winds Thursday afternoon. So just keep an eye on that as we get closer to Thursday. There may be an advantage to a Thursday morning tea time stack if you're looking at it, but you know, it's got something you got to keep an eye on. So for this week, the stats I'm looking at, uh, really focusing in on is, is strokes gained, ball striking, GIR's gain, strokes gained approach, uh, par four scoring from 450 to 500. Six of the par fours are that length, so that's going to be a huge one for me. Uh, good drives because the rough here is extremely thick and hard to shoot from, so scrambling is also going to be important. And the par five scoring is going to be huge. There's four. Uh, long par fives that present plenty of birdie and eagle opportunities. Uh, so especially for the, the long hitters and the short hitters, if you're good at par five scoring, you have a chance to really put yourself ahead on the field here. Uh, in addition to all those, I'm kind of lumping those into, I'm looking at long-term forms on bent grass greens with lightning fast speed. Uh, these are extremely fast greens. So looking at guys who over the last hundred rounds who have been successful on those type of conditions is something I'm also gonna weigh uh, a little bit heavily in addition to the model. Uh, I'll probably I'm using the mixed condition model on fantasy national to as add that as a separate category uh, to really see you know if there's a deal breaker if there's guys that are struggling or guys that are outperforming over the last hundred rounds on bent grass greens I'm I'm gonna put that as a pretty heavy weight so that's what I'm looking at this week uh, what do you think uh, what are you focusing on for key stats yeah a lot of the stats that you touched upon I, I completely agree with I'm looking also though at proximity from 175 to 200 yards this is a second shot course. Um, I know uh, it's really open fairways and it might appear as a bomber style course, but there's just so many key place bunkers and hazards in those fairways that, that bombers don't really get that advantage. So that second shot, the approach, stroking's approach is stroking around the green, obviously. Scrambling, as you mentioned, with um, the rough being as long as it is and greens in regulation gained is something I'm also going to focus on. The one thing that I'm most definitely going to have a little bit more emphasis on for me this week is that tee to green game. Um, I think that's pretty important. Past winners have correlated very well in that statistic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go that route. We'll see how it works out. Obviously we're going to, we're going to look at our player pool and everything of that nature. But in, in my, in my private model, I haven't really set it up that, that yet because of the holiday weekend and, and everything that's been going on. But long story short, um, I'm sure that's going to pop some, key stats that that fantasy national may not really provide but another one that i think is important is that greens and regulation gained you know that's where you're gonna get a leg up in a lot of players but uh having said that we're gonna move on to our birdie or better segment where zach and i will break down each tier of golfer we'll mention the plays we like and the plays that we intend to fade and of course, in the 6K range, we're going to continue with our MG Monsters in Guarantee, the Martin Pillar Effect, where we will give you our monster, 6K guy who we play, think will finish in the top 25, and our guarantee, our 6K player that will likely make the cut. But we got to start with the big boys, the 11 to 10K range. Kick it off, kick it off for a sec. You know... <sighs> As I broke this down and I kind of started looking at the stats, I'm really not a fan of the 10K range too much. There's only two guys that I really like here, and, and the first one is Justin Rose. And I think it's because he's coming into the event in a little bit of a shaky form with a 58th last week, a 28th the week before, but then he had a third at the Wells Fargo. 
So that being said, you know, I kind of looked at his course history here, which which I'm looking at as well. Now he's made five of the last eight cuts, which isn't amazing, but those finishes are all top tens. He won in 2010, he did eighth in 2012 and 2013. He had a second in 2015 and a sixth last year. So, you know, his course history, he's, when he makes a cut, he pushes for a win. And I think he can do that here again. He ranks sixth in my custom stats model over the last 24 rounds on bent grass greens with lightning fast speed. And, and those really rank out as second in strokes gain ball striking, first in par four scoring from 450 to 500, eighth in good drives, and fifth in par five scoring, which is going to be huge. So he can score on the par four and the par fives. He's also first in strokes gained par four on these type of courses over his last 50 rounds. So it's not just recent uh, form. He's also like a long-term par four scorer. So, you know, I don't like most of the 10K range, but I think if you're going to go up uh, this high... I, I don't know if I'm going to do it a lot, but I think Rose is the one that I will pick uh, on the upper 10, 11 Ks. What do you yeah, think about Rose? I, I like Rose too. I'm, I'm not going to go into the stats analysis like you did. I think you covered a, a really good portion of it. But the one thing that I want people to remember, it, it, considering the fact that Rose is like an elite golfer, you know, just because he's in bad form doesn't necessarily mean that he's not someone you want to consider in DFS. And that bad form is going to be misleading to a lot of amateur players. I mean, he's ranked third overall right. in the world golf rankings. It's a guy you most definitely want to consider week in and week out when he's playing. So <clears throat> I'm all on board, Justin Rose. The next guy I want to talk about is Roy McIlroy. Um, you know, in my mixed condition model, he ranks first in that proximity, 175 to 200, 15th in stroke gain, par five, unbent grass and from long rough. First in strokes gained T to green. Fourth in greens and regulations gained. Rory, again, hasn't been popping. You know, he's struggled recently from what we consider with Rory's success. Rory's top five material. Eighth at PGA. Eighth at the Wells Fargo. When you're paying for Rory McIlroy, you're expecting top five. You're not getting it. Eighth place Rory McIlroy is not going to win you a GPP. So I'm really hoping he turns that extra, you know, he just turns that little extra bit on this week to where we're looking at top five with Rory. What do you think? Yeah, I see the appeal for Rory. He definitely, you know, another one of the elite players. You can't go wrong with any guy that ranks inside the top five, top 10. Uh, but for me, I just can't pay that price for Rory and I can't pay it for most of these guys. Uh, I don't like going over 11K. I don't like the fact that he's only finished, his best finish here is fourth in 2016. Sure, he, he's top 10 four times, but as you said, you have to win it if you're paying that price for Rory. And it's just something I can't do this week. Uh, especially the way I'm constructing my lineups, it's going to be heavy on the 9-8K guys. I just can't fit him. He's definitely a good play. He's definitely an elite golfer. But for me, I, I'm just not going to have any part. Yeah, I, I do want to stress that Rory's a GPP play only. He's not a cash play. I hope no one's thinking about throwing Rory McIlroy because he's going to make the cut in their cash lineups. But the fact is, he's a GPP play. I, I'm not quite sure on ownership this week with him. But I'm thinking that he's going to be lower owned to what we would expect to see from Rory McIlroy. He is the favorite by far. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, uh, actually, Kucher, I think, is. But yeah, the, like, if I can get Rory McIlroy at sub-15% ownership, I'm going to take pieces of him, just for variance. Yeah, yeah I just think it's hard. to. you got to find the two guys in like the 6K range to make it work with decent other decent couple golfers i think it's hard it's probably doable and definitely differentiate yourself but it's a lot of risk yeah another player i'm interested in this week is tiger woods uh tiger woods obviously the big news this year winning the masters okay comes back plays last week and misses the cut 
uh, or misses the cut at the PGA. So this is his first time playing since his missed cut at the PGA, and he's rearing in form for the U.S. Open. Obviously, I like Tiger this week because I don't think we're going to get that huge ownership again because people are going to get just that burning sensation from the PGA Championship. But in my mixed condition model, ranks 11th overall, 20th in proximity, first in stroke gains approach. Again, this is that second shot course. These fairways are wide open, so we worry about that that driver with Tiger a lot. I'm not too concerned about it. I think he can take advantage of it. So it, it's something that, that appeals to me. Tiger finished in 23rd last year, but in 2015, when he was obviously way off his game, he finished in 71st, but he did make the cut. I like Tiger this week, and I've got a feeling that you don't. <clears throat> You're absolutely right. I do not like Tiger Woods this week. For 11-2, I just cannot, cannot see why we'd pay for him. I mean, maybe he draws some ownership, and I think that's great if he draws anything, because uh, I won't have any. Uh, he does have good course history. Like as you said, six assists. He's got two wins here dating back to 2009. But as you mentioned, 23rd last year, 71st in 2015, 61st in 2013, his last three appearances. Sure, he's an elite golfer. He won the Masters, but the Masters has no rough. Uh, you know, he wasn't penalized for missing a tee shot. You'll uh, kill you here if you end up in the rough. And he's just, his driver has been decent lately. It's been better than it has in the past. But if it starts getting away from him, this is not the week that you want to try to have Tiger Woods chipping out of the rough because it's not going to work. He also, you know, when you look at, you know, statistically, comparing him to like Rose and another guy I like uh, that we'll talk about is Patrick Cantlay, who I think you're completely off. That he just ranks out better than both of those guys. Um, he's only 58th in strokes gained par four scoring from 450 to 500, 47th on the par fives. So, you know, I want guys who can score consistently here and have shown that over the past like 30 to 50 rounds. Uh, for 11 2, unless he wins or comes in top three, I just can't see paying that much for him when there's better golfers lower and, and guys that might be chalk, but I'm willing to eat the chalk for consistency. And look for the the guys that will outperform their price tag at a lower range. I get that, and I get that argument. The appeal, though, is that approach game. If his approach game's on, he, he's second to none in this. Yeah, field. but you, if he's in the fairway, I, I that fair the fairway. He's are been so... playing on court. He's been playing on courses that don't have penalizing rough. I mean, he can if he's making good shots from the rough, then he's not going to make those shots this week. And Tag... we saw that at the PGA Championship. Different course, way different animal there than what we're looking at here at Mirfield. Come on, Beth Page Black has a warning sign. Mirfield is inviting and welcoming. I get that the rough's going to be long. I know it's going to be difficult to get out of there, but I like Tiger. I, I, I'm going to have shares at Tiger just for, again, variance purposes. We've talked about new approaches. I, I think I need some variance in those 20 max and 150 maxes. I You've got to have some Tiger. Underweight, overweight, your choice, obviously, but um, you know, once you get that key idea of what ownership's going to be, I think Tiger's in play. So, agree um, or disagree. All right, let's move on. <laughs> who uh, who else you got? Let's anyone disagree else? some more. So I'm on Patrick Cantlay at 10-2 this week. And you know, if there's anyone else in the 10K range, he's my guy. He's coming into this event in great form. A third at the PGA Championship, third at RBC Heritage, ninth at the Masters. You know, he's played here twice, made the cut both times, including a fourth last year and a 35th in 2017. Looking at his stats, last 24 similar courses, third in strokes game ball striking, fourth in GIRs gain, second in approach, eighth in par five scoring. My only concern with Cantlay is he struggles in scrambling, where he ranks 91st. But 
his drop, his off the tee game has been good. His approach game has been good. So as long as he can stay off the rough and avoid some errant tee shots, Cantlay's prime for a top five and potentially another win. So you know, I like Cantlay at ten two. I think the price is about right. Um, I have to look at his ownership and see what the numbers kind of shake out with, and it's really going to depend on a lot of the nine K guys where they where they look and how I build my lineups. But if I'm going to go into the ten Ks, it's Rose and Cantlay. I, I don't disagree with you on Cantlay. I, I think he was a solid play. Like, you know, you look at his last eight rounds, okay? His last eight rounds, Cantley ranks number one in total strokes gained. He's fourth in strokes gained tee to green, third in yep. ball striking. All right, he's ninth in short game, 11th off the tee, 13th in approach, 25th around the green, mm-hmm. 11th in putting, 7th in DraftKings points. He's top 25 in every st- major statistical category. You look at his past history, right? Third at the PGA, third at the RBC, ninth at the Masters. Miscut at the players, which both you and I have agreed on, we don't really count as a recent form-type tournament. Yep. But then you go to the sixth at the WGC Mexico, 15th at the Genesis. Yeah, he's now, out of his mind. He is. Now, that's my issue. Yeah, you think fatigue? I don't think fatigue. I just think that he's going to be so owned that I don't want any piece of him. Now, I mean, he it, was 30% owned at the, at the PGA Championship, so I, I, I will, I will absolutely fade him and take the risk of just him blowing up and me getting ahead of 30% of the field. Absolutely will take that leverage. Yeah, I think you're right. If, you mean, if it's 30%, I don't think I'll have much, if any, of Cantlay. It, it really needs to – I need to see the numbers on Wednesday as we get closer. But you're right. I mean, you can't – at 30%, that price, you're looking to – to put yourself out of the field. I mean, the numbers that I just discussed aren't, aren't like a secret. You can find these numbers anywhere yeah. on the internet. So mm-hmm. it, it's like, it's like they're going to look at Cantlay. They're going to see his price, the 10 two. He's at the bottom of the top tier. It, he's going to be just chalk city in my mind. Yeah, I think you're right. I think so. Oh, I mean, there might be someone worse. Kucher might be worse, but we'll talk, we'll uh, talk about yeah, it. When we yes, get we will. But, all right, we're going to move down to that 9K. Well, anyone like, do we want to no, talk about it. Ricky? I'm, do I'm we want to talk about I, Ricky? I have, I'll have none. I mean, I see the appeal. There's, there's statistics reasons why. But for me, I'm not, I'm not going in the 10K range much. And if I do, it's over, overweight on Cantlay and, and Rose. All right. Looking back at Ricky's history on tour, only once – did he miss back-to-back twice? Sorry, twice did he miss back-to-back cuts. Uh, three times, four times. Yeah, it's been more than I thought. But <laughs> um, I was hoping to find some kind of sneaky leverage there. But he looked bad at the Schwab. And yep. His game's just not been in sync. And uh, I think I'm going to look at leverage purposes here. Again, we'll come closer to um, line a block, but I probably won't have much of Ricky either. Just nah, in I'd his go up last... to Rose if I was going to go Ricky. Yeah, I'd rather go up to Rose or even go up to Tiger or Rory. Yeah. Um, but just isn't isn't doing playing well right now. So we're going to go to that 9K range, and I'll kick things off for us. And you know where I'm going. Yep. Jordan Spieth. Oh, I didn't think you were going to start there. Uh, I got to start there. I got to start with my boy. All right. We're back on the Spieth train. Oh, we're back on the Spieth train. Absolutely. <laughs> These fairways are wide open. You know, Everyone thinks like Spieth has like vintage Tiger skills, like when Spieth was on his tear. But 
where Spieth gains so much of an advantage to the field is his short game around the green and putting. And that putter has been ridiculous. And I will play it again and again and again when it's on fire like this. And I'll take his average tee degree game with that hot putter because he gains so many strokes with that thing. So look, Spieth in the last eight rounds. First in strokes game putting, 24th in strokes gain around the green, third in DraftKings scoring, uh, first in short game, fourth in strokes gain total. Okay. On bent greens, Spieth ranks 12th in my model, 9th in tee to green, 8th in approach. I love the fact that he's 8th in approach because we talk about his average tee to green game. I think that, you know, he's comfortable here and he's going to have success here. Tournament history has been somewhat kind to Spieth. He has a 19th, 3rd, and 13th. Last year, obviously missed the cut because of just being way out of his element and his head just wasn't really in tune with his game. So I'm going to discount that cut. I love Spieth here. What do you think? I like Spieth as a player. I have two issues with him as a DFS player. And one, I think, is his ownership. He's been finally coming back into form. I think a lot of people are going to see that. We saw him uh, what almost 14% owned in GPPs last week. Uh, before that, he was three, six, nine percent known. So people were trying to some people were trying to jump on the train a little early, but as he's gotten better, we've seen his ownership uh, almost ten times, uh, you know, seven, eight, seven, eight times what he was before. So I mean, as an ownership play, I think he's going to be highly owned. And then my second issue with him is, you know, he's played here one, two, three, four, five, six times. He's made the cut five times, but he's only finished third once, and out outside of that, he's never done better than thirteenth. Um, so, you know, he's pretty high priced for a guy that's only top five one time in his appearances here. And although he is in better form now, uh, I think his ownership is going to be a little too high. Um, and I just, I was on the speed train too the last couple of weeks, but I'm getting off here. See, I, I disagree with you on that ownership. You look at this 9K range, right? He's on top. He's at 9,900. People are going straight to Kucher this weekend. But you Straight can to Kucher and I think I think you're going to see guys and then nine K range it up. No, I, there's only you so can, many. Fine, you can then fit they're, gonna, they're not going to play Spieth because you're going to go straight to Tony Finau, everyone's darling, yeah, who could finish in second place last weekend, or you know we're going to go to Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas coming back from injury. Don't tell me like you don't. People aren't going to want Justin Thomas just because he's coming back from injury. Maybe he'll be lower owned, but he will garner some ownership. Matsuyama, yep. absolutely going to be a big play. Xander, yep. this 9K range, if you just think of these names, Spieth is probably going to be least owned. Maybe Xander, but Spieth will be yeah, really Xander, close. Right? Yeah, I just think a lot of guys are going to gravitate to the 9K range. Dude, you're getting Matsuyama for 9,100. Right. No one's so going to pay the... up to 9,900 for Spieth. So what's the reason to go to the 10K range? I think a lot of people are going to start in the 9K range, and it's going to be you're going to see guys in the 9K range way over-owned as opposed to guys up top. Well, people are going to start in the 10K range because they're amateurs. And I don't know. I I just I think that Spieth is going to be, I would say like 13 to 15 percent on this week, and I think that's too much. Dude, you're on drugs. No, he was 13 percent on last week, and there was plenty of other golfers to choose from. It doesn't fit any mold or build. When you look at the golfers in the 9K range, they're it going absolutely to, does. You're going to save $300 going to Fino. Come on. Save $800 going to Matsuyama. Just gonna, it's going to be Kuchar and then another 9K guy. 
Dude, you're, you're just smoking good Hawaiian peyote. I'm telling you, 13 to 15%. Mark it down. Bet number one. All right. We're betting. <laughs> Who else you got in the 9K range? I mean, I'll just throw him out there. I mean, Matt, it's Matt Kirchner Chalk Week, and I'm not going to fade him. He's coming off an eighth lot at the PGA Championship, second at the RBC Heritage, 12th at the Masters, seventh at the Valero. He hasn't missed a cut since last year at the PGA Championship, so check all the recent form boxes. Course history, nine of nine cuts since 2009, with a win in 2013. Four of those other ones, top fives. Another one, top ten. His worst finish here in those nine appearances is a 26th in 2015. He's the course horse this week for 9,400. He's underpriced. And then you compare it to his stats. He ranks number one across the board for me on the custom model. You know, it's they're not all elite numbers, but he's 15th in ball striking, 11th in GIRS gain, 8th in approach, 8th in good drives, 10th in scrambling. He's also first over the last 50 rounds in par 4 scoring and third on strokes gain putting on lightning fast bent greens over his last 100 rounds. So I don't care his chalk. I think this may be the first time I ever hit the lock button on someone when 100%. Um, I just don't see a reason to fade Kutcher this week. His price tag is too low. Differentiate elsewhere. I'm potentially all in on Kutcher. Um, what do you think? I, I, I love Kutcher, but I'm not going to go all in on him. I, I'm not doing the 100% lock. I've never done it before, and I feel like he is statistically, he's just the perfect fit for this course. I, I'm not saying that he's not, but it's just, you know the variance in golf. I, I cannot just get, you know, locked in 100% on a guy. And don't get me wrong, I love Cooch. I, I'm going to roster him. I mean, in my model, he ranks 15th, 7th in strokes, game par 4 you know, 14th in uh, greens and regulation gain. And you talked about his finishes here at this tournament specifically. I mean, eighths, uh, or I'm sorry, his recent form is eighth at the PGA, second in the RBC Heritage, 12th at the Masters. You know, he's someone you're going to have interest in. So it, it, give me a reason. Give me one reason why he shouldn't be a good play. I mean, there. I was I, was I don't have a reason. To, I don't, I was I trying, don't. So why can't you lock him? There is nothing saying... He's gonna he's gonna blow up this week. Like there's not a box, a course, a recent form, a stat model. Like everything says, he's not only gonna make the cut, but he should have a really good shot to win this thing. I, I'm just not gonna 100% lock Cooch. I'll have Cooch. I think I'll be even with the field on Coocher just for variance purposes. I don't want to go overweight on Cooch, and maybe that'll come to bite me because what leverage really am I getting? I mean, you're Cooch, getting a slot. You don't have to. You're dude, getting hundred percent through on one player. Oh my god! Yeah, but whatever. I just I've never done it before, and I, this is the week I think I'm going to do it. Well, you good luck with that, because <laughs> I mean, if he misses the cut, like you're uh, it's over. Game over. Yep. Uh, all right. Moving on. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to 9600 Tony Fino, and Fino obviously is going to be popular after his second place finish last week at the uh, at the Charles Schwab. And before that, he was really just kind of out of form. 64th at the PGA, 60th at the Wells Fargo. Had that great run at the Masters, finishing fifth. But then again, 61st at the Valero, 22nd at the Players. You know, it's not the same Tony Fino that we saw last year. But little known to most people, this is Fino's home course as they live in Westerville, Ohio. F uh, or I'm sorry, no, that's Jason Day. So yep. Fino... Um, Fino is a great player. Wow. I'm going to talk about Jason Day instead because that's where I was transitioning <laughs> to. But we'll come back to Fino. But Jason Day lives in Westerville, Ohio. This is his hometown course. Got to say that real quick. 
and I'm going to lock and load on uh, Jason Day. Not 100%, but I'm in on him. But going back to Finau, in my model on Finau, you know, he does not pop on bent grass, and he does not pop in this long rough, but he's been playing so well recently that I like him. In his last eight rounds, Finau is 15th in strokes gained total, 12th in tee to green, 9th in ball striking, and 16th off the tee, 16th in approach, 28th in DraftKings points. Okay, I love Finau in this spot, 9,600. I love the 9K range. I can't fade anybody. We're talking about Jason Day next, and I'm going to restate all that living where you live and stuff. I got my <laughs> Finau and Day screwed up, but I don't give a shit. Anyways, Finau, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he's a great player. Obviously, one of the, the fan favorites in DFS. He's also a great scorer on par fives, which is going to be huge here. Uh, 9,600 is a bit too high for me, especially because I'm lo- I'm pretty much all in on locking in on Kuchar. Um, so I probably won't have any fee now, but you know, he's not a, he's a great play. Obviously, I just worry about his ownership as well um, coming into this week. You do realize that if Cooch misses the cut this week, then I just get started early on next week. Well, you you know what award you're winning. <laughs> That's fine. I I will sing it from the top of the roof and send myself some Pro V ones. Uh, no, sorry, Taylor Made. <laughs> oh, TP fives. <laughs> Get it straight. <laughs> That's right. And some teas. And some teas. And I could use like some new teas. Send you a and the plunger. Toilet right. plunger. <laughs> Gold plunger. Um, all right. Got to talk about Day again because I fucked that up. But Jason Day, 9,200, lives in Ohio, hometown course, last eight rounds, 12th in strokes game total, uh, 16th in tee to green, 25th in ball striking, 18th off the tee. Most definitely have a ton of interest in Jason Day. I don't know. You don't you no. don't like him? Nope. No? And, and I, you know I don't. Care. I mean, yeah, sure he lives there, but we saw what Spieth did in his hometown, and it sucked. So oh, dude, Jason you're, you're correlating he, one instance of yeah. So this is one instance. I mean, look at it. His form coming into this week isn't that bad. Okay, dude, on ben, I'll, get, I'll, on ben Green's, I'll give you that. Like, oh, come on, he's great on Ben Greens. He, he's six T to green in my mixed condition model. Second in par four scoring. All right, so you let me tell you this. this is his, if this is his course, his home course, yes, he's made seven to nine cuts, but his best finish is a fifteenth. Other than that, he's a 44th, 27th, 37th, 41st, 33rd, 27th. For a home course, you should be able to at least get a top 10. Dude, 9,200 and you can't top 10? You just haven't done it in nine years? No way. There's no way. I'm going to play him because just for variance purposes, you have to play this guy. No, sir. Come on. Justin Thomas, 9,100. What? Take him coming off an injury. You can't. He, the guy has never shown that he can win here. You could say that about a lot of golfers at a lot of tournaments. I disagree. All the guys that I I I am picking this week have success history, successful history here. Like top five, top ten. You got a top ten, especially if you're nine two hundred. If you're in the nine k range and you haven't top ten in nine nine appearances here, I don't know. I just I can't get on board with Jason Day this week. And he's probably gonna have vertigo and withdraw anyway. Oh my god! Here we go. <laughs> Don't don't we're the not flu, talking about the flu is going around about, the flu is going around. We're PGA. not talking about he's going to cough Thursday morning and he's going to be done. We're not talking about withdraws on this show after last week's shit show. Okay, <laughs> look, Jason Day at sub ten percent is just put him in your lineups. You're going to tell me that Jason Day can't win this tournament just because no. of past results? That's bullshit. No, because he he hasn't even come close. It's not like he's like fifth, second, eighth. Give me a tenth. 
that doesn't matter to me. You're looking at guys, every tournament has players like that who have struggled, 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 and they come out and win. That's irrelevant. I get course history, and he's done well enough here for me to think that he can win. You know, the tied for 27th and 15th, and tied for 15th in 2017. You know, you also got to think about injury, as we talked about before, but... I think if Jason he's in Day's the in if he's in the eighty five hundred range, eighty eight thousand. Jason Day is never going to be in the eight thousand range. Right, you're paying for the name. You're paying ninety two hundred for Jason, the name Jason Day, as opposed to, you know, eighty eight hundred for Gary Woodland, who's just much better here. I don't know. I mean, he he's looked good so far, other than his miscut the Valspar. You know, we're talking twenty third at the PGA, twenty fourth at the Wells Fargo, fifth That's at the Masters. Enough. Eighth at the Players, fourth at AT and T Pro Am, fifth at the Farmers. Sure, yeah, I mean those Masters, sure, yeah, but he hasn't won. He hasn't won since 20. last year at the Wells Fargo, but it's coming, man. It's coming. You know his approach game struggled last year. That's why he didn't win. That's fair, dude. That's he's fair. in play. He's... I don't mm-hmm. care what you say. He's in play. Disagree. <laughs> disagree. I like it. We have both have new approaches and still disagree on, on everybody. <laughs> That's fine. Who else you got in this range? Good. Uh, you know, the only other guy I'm looking at... Well, there's actually two. Uh, the first one, let's go Justin Thomas. 9,100. I feel like he's underpriced. He's coming off, you know, getting out of the injury, shaking the rust off. He's made three or five cuts here with an eighth last year and a fourth in 2017. So, you know, he, he knows the course. He knows how to approach, set up the shots. He's coming in rested. You know, his last event he played was a 12th at the Masters. So, you know, he ended on a good, on a good note. Uh, before that, he's been making cuts left and right putting in numerous top five finishes he hasn't missed a cut in an event he's played since the open last july so i mean the guy is just phenomenal stat wise he ranks out 25th overall in my custom model with the highlights being you know first in scrambling 10th in strokes gain approach 13th in par five scoring and 16th in ball striking so you know all pretty good heavily weighted stats for me of all the things i think is going to be important he's an extremely good putter on fast bent grass greens over the last 100 rounds he ranks 12th so, you know for 9100 you're paying for a guy that has a great chance to finish top five or even win and has the history of doing it in the past on this course. So, you know, for 99K and lower 9K range, Justin Thomas is a guy I'm, I'm going to gravitate to. What do you think about JT? Yeah, the injury concerns me. He's sure. been off for over a month. Okay, he hasn't played since the Masters. I think he got hurt at the Honda, if I remember right. Yeah. Because I was like, I was like excited because I faded him. And I thought he was going to withdraw and just screw so many lineups because he was so chalky that weekend. Um, I'm not, I don't cheer for injury, by the way. But needless to say, um, the injury kind of scares me, especially a wrist injury in golf. And for him yeah. to skip a major, I think is very significant. To me, this is kind of one of those, like, I'm going to come play, I'm going to try to win, but I'm really here to make sure that my wrist isn't messed up. Because... I mean, the U.S. Open's right around the corner, man. Yeah, he's got his. I mean, he's got to right. he's got to dial it in. So that's my concern. Yeah, his stats are going to pop in every model. I would play him for that reason. This is more of a gut feeling, you know, just feeling on his injury. He's going to feel it out. It's not like Finau's consistent. Or I'm sorry, like Jason Day's consistent back issues. God, I'm really fucking up Finau and Jason Day. I know. Um, but Thomas is just. That wrist injury is going to concern me a little bit. Where yeah, you're right. You're where right where if injury. I do roster him, it's going to be very underweight. I mean, yeah, in, in I the, agree. In the twenty max, maybe a lineup if yeah. I can fit it in. And then in the in the one fifty max, I 
far, far less than 5%. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and you know, that's a big unknown. That's the whole reason I picked him was because, you know, I think he's going to be less around. Um, but if we're going back to leverage, to be a handful. Uh, if you're going to go leverage, why are you not thinking Spieth? He's too much. Dude, he's not going to be over 10%. He's going to be sub 10% and the guy's going to win. He's not going to win. He might be – I'm still sticking to 13 to 15. But this range just tailors itself for everyone to fade Spieth. That's fine. I'm going to fade him, too. I'll be on the same train. Yeah. Whatever. Who, who else do you have? Oh, Matsuyama. But I think yeah. a lot of people are going to have him, too. You know, yeah, he actually I'm ranks, in my mixed condition model, he ranks number one. I mean, the yeah. A's lights out. Second in that uh, proximity. Uh, sixth in strokes gain, par four. Third in strokes gain, T to green. Fifth in strokes gain, approach. In his last uh, last eight rounds, he, he's been exceptional. Um, just isn't winning. That's just what 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 is kind of concerning, you know, and and I think that's kind of like Matsuyama's mo. It's just like yeah. he'll play great, he'll look good for a couple of days, and then just kind of peter out. But um, ninety one hundred, I feel kind of is a steal for a Deki Matsuyama. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, he won here in twenty fourteen, so you know, on his first appearance here. So I mean, definitely got the ability to do it. Uh, yeah. He's a great scorer on par fives and par fours. So yeah, why not? And then I'm gonna fade Xander. I, I just, I, I, I have no interest. Nope, I'm with you. Uh, I faded, fa- my fate is Jason Day, but I, I agree with you on Xander. I faded him last week, and and it was great call as as popular as he was. And 16th the PGA, his game's just not in tune right now, and his name's badass, but his game isn't. So I, I just, <laughs> yep. I, I'm gonna fade him. So, so let's move down to that 8K range. Why don't you kick it off? Kick it off. Uh, I'll get the chalk out of the way first. Gary Woodland, 8,800. I think he's going to be chalk in the 8K range. He's coming off an eighth at the PGA Championship where he gained a ridiculous 14.3 strokes tee to green while he still lost 4.8 strokes putting. So unbelievable. Now he's got great, great course history here. He's made six of eight cuts with a fourth and a sixth being his two best finishes. Last 24, he also, his stat model backs this up over his last 24 on bent grass greens. Uh, with fast, really fast greens. He's first in ball striking, fifth in GRS gain, fourth approach, third in par five scoring. So, you know, he, the only thing he can't find is where to keep his putter. He needs to either change it or just start kicking with his foot because he is awful. Uh, but if he can get close, his approach game's on point, his GRS gained are on point, he can maybe mitigate some of his putting disasters. So, you know, I like Woodland this week as a potential T10 here. Uh, with a shot at maybe a second or a third. I don't think he wins this thing, but I think he can come close. Uh, I think I will be more than the field on Woodland. Uh, I considered locking Kuchar and Woodland and just going crazy. Uh, but I think, you know, I'll have a, I'll be double the field on Woodland at least. Uh, as we get closer to Thursday, we'll see how it shakes out. But I think he'll be chalk. I think he's good chalk with concern of putting. I... Like Woodland, his stats are going to pop. I'm just not a fan of his putter and his putting. Yeah, it's, it's terrifying, and that's and, why I had to walk off the lock. He he is like the the, the a great GPP play, especially if that putter's on, and and he should take a, a lesson from that guy below him, Adam Scott, and just carry like eight different putters in his bag. But <laughs> um, you know his tournament history. And you were talking about this with Jason Day, but I mean, 23rd, 49th, obviously the fourth place finish in 2016, but then the cut in the 57th, it's not like he's exceptional here. So it it that concerns me a little bit. Now, where he, he's successful is the fact that like in the last eight rounds, 
You know, he's first in strokes gained, tee to green. Mm-hmm. Sixth off the tee. Sixth around the green. But, again, putting in this short game is just abysmal. So, if he's going to be scrambling a lot around the green, it's over. Tournament over for Gary Woodland. You're wasting $800 in your roster spot. But you're hoping for that hot putter. Yeah, yeah. And you just got to be careful with the uh, looking at this TD Green game over the last couple of rounds because, I mean, just how out of his mind he was playing at the, champ- the PGA Championship just skews it just a little bit when, he's get- when you're getting 14 strokes on the field. I mean, that's just insanity. Yeah. Well, a guy I'm going to go to is Adam Scott. And I think he's, he's a fantastic play this weekend. Scott ranks <clears throat> 14th in my model, 13th in strokes gained par fours, 4th in strokes gained tee to green, 4th in approach, 5th in greens in regulation gained. I'm concerned about the putting and around the yep. green, but I am not concerned about Adam Scott like I am about Gary Woodland because of his recent form. His recent form has been incredible. All right, when you look at Scott's last three rounds, last three tournaments rather, 8th at the PGA, 18th at the Masters, 12th at the Players, three of the hardest tournaments on a PGA Tour, and the guy's top 25, all three of them. Now, he did miss the cut at the Honda, but 7th place the week before at the Genesis. You are going to worry about Adam Scott's putting. Don't get me wrong, but it's a risk I'm willing to take. I like Adam Scott this week. Yep, I cannot disagree with you there. He is uh, one of my plays in the, in this range as well. I don't see a reason to – the putting is an issue, as you said, but, you know, his approach game at the PGA Championship was a little iffy, but, you know, overall he's been pretty dialed in. Uh, I really like the fact that he's been pretty – he's been very accurate off the tee. He ranks first in good drives as well. Um, I'm with you on Adam, Adam Scott. He's, he's one of the guys that I'm looking at. Well, you have to pick one, Woodland or Scott. Who are you taking? <sighs> Why do you do this to me? Because I'm, I'm a dick. I think GPPs, I take Woodland just because I think he, he has a higher ceiling. What? I think I think he does. I think his putter is on. He's got a higher ceiling than Scott. I mean, it's it's close. It's, it's a toss-up. I, I have a hard time between these two. I had them both. I only have two plays in the upper 8Ks, and it's Woodland and Scott. I, I think Scott's approach game is way better. I don't know. That's It's close. It depends. I, yeah, I don't know. I think they're about the same. I have Scott on these types of courses at 19th in approach, and I've got Woodland at 4th. Take that for what it's worth, but... Yeah. I think Woodland's a better par 5 scorer. Maybe sets him apart. I don't know. It, it It's really close. It's splitting hairs here, and I, I just think that I'm going to lean more towards Woodland, but I'm also going to have some Scott this week. All right. Who else you got in this range? Uh, the only other guy I like, really, I think is... is uh, I don't really feel great about it. It's Phil Mickelson at 8,100. And, you know, stat-wise, my model is saying, play Phil Mickelson like it was the last time I did, and he burned me. Uh, but, you know, his form's not the best. He came in 71st at the PGA Championship. Best cut to Wells Fargo. But here, specifically, he's made seven of eight cuts. The only one he missed was when he withdrew in 2012. <coughs> so, you know, his finishes aren't the best. He only he got a 13th here last year. But for 8,100, a top 15, I'm willing to, to put in for, you know, for that price. For Jason Day, not so much. But for Phil Mickelson, 8,100, yes. My custom model over the last 24, he ranks out third overall, which is what really sucked me in to look into him further. So I put him on bent grass, lightning fast greens, and he ranks out eighth in ball striking, 11th in GRS gain, first in approach, 10th in par 5 scoring, and fifth in par 4 scoring from 450 to 500. My issue with Mickelson is he's he can be crazy off the tee, and that's going to crush him here in the thick rough if he ends up getting, you know, 
really far off into the native area or deep into the rough. But we know Phil. He can make some crazy shots to save par or even get a birdie. It's ridiculous. So, you know, I won't have a ton of Phil this week. I think he comes in lower owned, and I think that plays well in GPPs. And I think, you know, he's underpriced here. Uh, so I'm going to sprinkle in some Phil, you know, three or four lineups in the 20 max, you know, 10 to 15, maybe in the 150 if I play the 150 this week. Um, I like Phil. What do you think? Phil is just so far off his game. You look at the he last is. eight rounds, he's like 112th in approach. And that's not I agree. Phil Mickelson. You know, around the green, he's still dominant. Even his putting's off. The one thing that always made Phil so appealing was the fact that he was just a DK scorer. So even if he finished in like 30th, he was getting so many birdies and bogeys and everything of that nature, but he, he would still score for you. That's not even happening anymore. I'm wondering if Phil and age are, are kind of catching up with him finally as hot as he was at the beginning of the year. Um, that's a concern for me. In addition to that, if the, if he's pulling the driver out on this course, I, I, I don't want any piece of Phil Mickelson. I really hope he tweets out. By the way, you should follow Phil on Twitter. He, I do. Great. I he's do great. follow him. He is great. He, he's hilarious. You know, I mean, some cheesy jokes, but, but most of them are pretty good. And he does give great little short game lessons here or there, too. Um, those usually happen when he misses the cut, and he's got nothing better to do. Anyways, long story short, if he tweets out that he's putting that driver away this weekend, I'm all in on Phil. Because he's going to be dialing down the fairway, hitting hitting greens and regulation. But his recent form is just so concerning. And, you know, my mixed condition model, he, he ranks 10th overall. So I see the appeal. It's just what you're going to weigh. Are you going to weigh his recent form, think age is catching up to him? Or are you going to look at past analysis, like looking at the 50 rounds? He's 7th in approach, 5th in par 3s, 20th in around the green, 10th overall in my model. I don't know where I'm going to land on Phil, but I will say this. If I'm going to get Phil Mickelson at less than 7%, and I know his DK scoring potential, he's making some of my lineups. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I think I'm going to have some. It won't be a lot, but I think his potential is definitely worth having at least a few pieces of him, especially for where he's priced. I mean, if he puts it together, I mean, you're getting you're getting a guy who's way underpriced. Yeah. Another guy I like in this range is Rory Sabatini. The guy has just put his game together this year. And I love the way he's playing. He's dialed in. It's insane. He's he's just a great player right now. And you wouldn't think that from a guy who started the year in the 6K range <laughs> for how many weeks and how many tournaments. You look at his recent form, 6th at the Schwab, 5th at the Nelson, 18th at the Wells Fargo, 10th at the RBC Heritage, 36th at the Valero. He's finished 35th at the players. You know, his last missed cut was at the AT&T Pro-Am. He is dialed in. I'm going to play the hot golfer while he is just on fire. Now, my one concern, the putter. Obviously, we said that about a lot of golfers. His worst putting surface by far is bent greens. So I am concerned about that. But I like Sabatini. Yeah, I mean, I just don't get it. No, no one's really... I mean, for as cheap as he is and the performance he's been putting up, no one's really playing him. I mean, he was sub-10% in four of the last five events. He's come in less than 10%. He was 12 at the Wells Fargo, which is the only 
GPP average above 10%. I think everyone's just waiting for this, like, shoe to fall off. Like, he's right. Just... I don't get it. I mean, I've been off of him, too, for the most part. But, I mean, there's no reason why besides the putter. And, you know, he still manages to put in decent performances without with struggling with that issue. Yeah. But, you know, they don't – yeah, no. I mean, there's no other reason. I'm trying to find one right now, and I just can't. Yeah. I'm not going to go into much detail of anyone else I like, but I'm just gloss over Henrik Stenson here. You know, recent form yeah. has been kind of meh. 48th at the PGA, 20th at Byron Nelson, 28th at Wells Fargo. But we know Stenson's game. We know, you know, he's an elite player. 8,500, I think he's too cheap. His approach game, grains in regulation, those are just ideal statistics for this course. I think I think it's someone that we really need to consider in this range. Recent form, iffy. Again, kind of similar to Phil, just not to that level of bad. But... Uh, 8,500 might be the week he turns it around. Anyone you're going to fade in this AK range? Yeah, I think the only guy I'm absolutely fading is, is Jason Cockrack at 8,200. I love the fact that he's been over 10% owned every single week the last five events. And, you know, he's coming in having not missed a cut since the Open last July. I love it. I hope it just keeps inflating his ownership. I hope he gets over 10. I hope he's closer to 20. His course history here is atrocious. He's made one of five cuts here, and the only time he's made the cut he finished 35th i just i don't know his around the green game is struggling he doesn't really fit well here on the last 24 on courses like this he's 100th in scrambling i don't see any reason to roster him this week i'm completely off yeah i can see that too and my fade right now is is woodland and it's just because i like adam scott more i mean that's that's really that's fair it's really what it comes down to i'm gonna like scott more i'll probably end up playing more of adam scott I do, I do want to stress when I say fade, it's going to be underweight compared to the field based on my ownership projections, but I, I might have some woodland if I can fit them in. If I'm going to get in that variance, it'll be in the 150 max, most definitely probably 100% fade in that 20, 20 max, but we'll see. So going down to the 7K range, and I know this is a range you love. I do. All right, well, kick it off for us. You know, I won't spend too much time because I know we, we're running long here today, but I think, you know, Kyle Stanley at 7,800. Uh, the death train is going to be packed, and I'm going to be aboard it. His form is iffy. He's miscut at the PGA Championship, 8th at the Wells Fargo, 21st at the Masters, 52nd at the Bolero. So up and down. Uh, before that, he'd missed six of the, of the previous seven cuts. So I'm hoping people, you know, have either gotten off of him, but I think they've slowly gotten back on. I think we'll see his ownership a little bit high. But that being said, he finished second here last year and sixth in 2017. So despite his blow-ups and just awful, like, lineup-destroying ways, he knows the course well. He performs well here somehow. And he's another one that the stats pulled me in at first. And he ranks out second overall in just the stats I'm looking at. You know, seventh in strokes gain, ball striking, JR's gain, and par four. 450 to 500 scoring over the last 24. You know, third in good drives, despite some of the issues he's had. Fifth in approach. You know, I'm not sure how the ownership shakes out, uh, but I think he comes in under 10%. And if he does, you know, I think I'll be double the field on Stanley. Uh, he's been less than 5% owned in GPPs the last five events, so I'm hoping it stays that way. And if it does, uh, he'll, he'll fit nicely into, into a balanced lineup for me, and I think I'll have quite a bit. So I'll either go, either go down in flames with the train or I'll be sitting up on top of the leaderboard. Yeah, I like Stanley too. His numbers just pop so well. And and kind of like you mentioned, the one thing I really like is that on bent greens and long rough, you know, yep. his tee to green game is excellent. 
Um, all those stats that I've been considering, he looks good, except for par 3 scoring, which I'm not waiting too heavily. I just kind of always throw that in there just to make sure I have it covered. But at 7,800, I think he is going to be someone who's overlooked. Um, only concern about his ownership is that if people do look at his tournament history, they're going to see that past success, and they're going to just weight that highly. So if that's the case, I think that you just need to consider potentially just um, – understanding the ownership of Kyle Stanley and if he is going to be over 10% I don't think you play him I, I, yeah I, I agree I don't think it's worth playing him at that point so agreed um who else you like in this range uh you know um Peter Uline at 7100 <clears throat> coming into this week after a 13th last week and a fifth of the Byron Nelson you know he's coming back into great form just in time for an event where he's done well in the past he's only played her twice but he got a fifth last year and a 25th in 2017 he's an Excellent putter on fast bent grass greens. You know, looking at his last 100 rounds, he ranks 26th, which isn't too bad. Uh, 21st in par 4 scoring, also really good. And he ranks 16th overall in mixed condition model. So, you know, he puts himself significantly higher in my rankings than most of the golfers in this range and those in the 8K range. So, you know, he's another guy who's been forgotten about, really, in GPPs. You know, I looked at his ownership in the last five events, and four of them he's been less than 1%, and his highest was 1.2% last week. So if he's under 5% owned, and hell, if he's even under 2% owned, I'm going to have a ton of him this week. I think he goes overlooked, and I love him. Yeah, Peter Uline's a good play. I, I haven't really done much research on him. Um, I think most people just forget. I don't forget. Well, he's not he's not like a household name. I agree. He's not, and, and people might overlook him and his ability here. Um, I, I could see playing Uline... It's just, uh, how much do you want to commit to him, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, he's 7,200. I'm sorry. I mispriced him by 100. Yeah, 13, but I still think he's th- worth it. 13th at the Schwab, 8th at the Nelson, but he miscut three straight cuts at the Fargo, Heritage, and Bolero. Which so, is great. It is going to put ownership way down. I agree with that. Um, in the last eight rounds, Uline has been... <clears throat> excuse me. Uline has been playing very well. So you do have some high potential, low ownership, great play here. Ranked 7th in strokes game total, 32nd in tee to green, 4th in just short game, and then 4th in putting. So these are all stats that we really like here at this course. Uline, yeah, you, you sold me, man. I, I think I'm most definitely going to have him in a lot of my lineups. So I like it. Who uh, else you got? Benny on, man. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I'm going back to Benny on. You know, he's been awful lately, and I love it. Because Benny on is just, you know, that's the type of player he is. He's either awesome or he's awful. So I'm going back to awesome Benny on, considering when you look at 68, the Schwab missed the cut at PGA, missed the cut at the RBC Heritage. And, you know, you look at his recent form, it's terrible. It really is. It's bad. And I think that's going to lower ownership. But if you look at my mixed condition model, he's eighth overall, eighth in strokes gained T to green, ninth in approach, third in greens and regulation gained. He's 48th in scrambling, which concerns me a little bit, but I'm okay with it. I'll suck it up. I like Benny on 7,400. Yep, I'm on him. I mean, his putting on these services ranks 20th for me. He's made the cut the last three years, and he finished second last year. I, I hope they look at his miscut, his his recent form, and pass him by. I think he's a great play. Yeah. Um, I think other guys that we have to look at in this price range are guys like Keegan Bradley and we know what Keegan Bradley's going to do he's going to win in the first day and be in first place and then coast the rest of the weekend um, which is so frustrating for Keegan Bradley but 
he's a guy that kind of pops in my model, and he's someone that I most definitely have some interest in. I do want to apologize. I faded Jim Furyk last week, <laughs> and the guy just played so freaking good. And, you know, he's in another great spot. And I think a lot of people are going to look at the past tourney history for Furyk, and they're going to say, oh, miscut, miscut, 52nd. But they're going to forget that he had fifth place finish in 2015. So Furyk, I think, is in play. I'm not sure how much I'm going to own Furyk. So anyone else in this range you got interested? No, that's it for me. I'm kind of making my player pool player pool smaller this week because uh, I'm going to be heavily overweight on a lot of guys. So I just had to make some cuts. And the guys I mentioned are probably the guys that I'm only going to play. I might have a few one-offs here and there, but not no real interest to highlight. Okay. It's favorite time. It's favorite time of the week. It is our favorite time of the week. <laughs> Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut. Miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut. Miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. <laughs> <laughs> a monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. This is our monster, our MG monster, and guarantee the Martin Pillar effect, where Zach and I take our monster, our player that we expect to finish in the top twenty-five, who is in the six K price range, or our guarantee, the player that we expect to make the cut. So. Who is your monster? My monster this week, 6,300, Steve Stricker. And let me tell you why. He's made seven of seven cuts here, and he won in 2011. It's great. Great course history. His form is going to scare people off. You look at him on, the on like, Fantasy National or DraftKings, it'll show, you know, two missed cuts in a row. But what it doesn't show is he's coming off of uh, the Senior Tour Major Championship win on May 13th at, at the Tradition which is going to go overlooked with those missed cuts in there and that not being shown. Um, he's got the ability and the momentum to not only make the cut and not only finish top 25, but he can win this thing. I mean, age is an issue, sure. You know, he's not an extremely long hitter, sure, but you don't need to be here. So I think he's not only got top 20 ability, but he's also got T5 and higher. And if the star is all aligned, he can win. I love him here. He's my monster, Steve Stricker. Steve Stricker is a good play. Uh, I... I can absolutely agree with you that I should have probably put him as my monster. But you know me. I like taking risks. And I'm going Steve to... Steve Stricker's not a risk? Come on, man. Steve Stricker's not a risk. Oh, look at his recent form. He's missed two cuts, if you don't count the major win. <laughs> exactly. People aren't going to see that. He doesn't show up in the DraftKings and, and you pull it up. Blah, blah, I don't blah. think. I'm going to my monster of Danny Lee. All right. Oh boy! Oh yeah! Oh boy is right. Wasn't Danny Lee Chalk Week last week? He was. <laughs> Danny Lee, in my mixed condition model, ranks 24th overall, fourth in proximity, 24th in approach. Now, if you look at his last eight rounds, he is god mediocre. 40th in short screen total, 49th in tee to green, 26th in his short game, and 23rd in approach. And that 23rd in approach is what is really keying in for me here. I think his mid-irons, long-irons are, are, are just on point, and he's going to be able to score. 
and he's a good putter. He's a decent putter. So he's someone that I had, think has top 25 finish. Now, do I expect him top 10, top 5? No way. Now, his best putting surface is Poa, but his second best putting surface is Bent Greens. And it's it's not that much of a difference. I I Don't get me wrong. I am concerned about his recent form. But the fact that he made the cut and finished 36th at the PGA Championship on a course that was extremely difficult gives me hope, gives me promise. You look at his tournament history, missed cut last year. Tied for 49th, tied for 52nd, missed cut. Obviously, his past history is awful. It sucks. It's terrible. I completely agree. You want to find guys who have some consistency in this range. But if you look at Siwoo Kim, just a piece above him, finished in 29th, withdrew, was tied for 74th. Okay. If you're going to tell me guys can't move from the top to the bottom in this tournament, I'm going to call out uh, Affy Barnrat, tied for <laughs> 62nd in 2014, finished in 13th last year. Okay, we can go through yeah. all these players who have had that type of success where they're just bad at this tournament, but find a top twenty. I mean, look at uh, Lahiri, sixty first in twenty sixteen, thirty seventh in twenty eighteen, tied for second in twenty seventeen. Okay, yeah. D- Danny Lee, he's my monster. I like it. You sold me on his ability to maybe make top twenty five. You're right. He doesn't have to win it. Doesn't have to top ten it. But he could. He could pay it off. Sixty nine hundred is a little bit high. But, you know, it's all right. All right. My guarantee is going to be Nick Watney. I, I think he's just in great form. I think he, he fits the course well. Um, it, it's going to be a simple play for me if I'm going down to the 6K range that Watney's going to make many of my lineups. Uh, he's been playing very, very well recently. And and you were all over him last week. Yep. You're and, right. And he paid off for you, absolutely. So Yeah, he did well. I think he's a great play this week to make a cut. He's my guarantee. I'm with you. That's a good one. I went a different route here, and I went with somebody who I don't like playing again. Is Bill Haas at 6,700. You know, he's made eight of ten cuts here uh, with two top tens. He's made six of his last seven cuts. He's not a scoring hero by any means, uh, but he I don't see any reason why he shouldn't make the cut here. He, he grades out pretty well for me uh, overall. You know, he's, he's eighth in scrambling in these type of courses. He's 16th in par five scoring and 17th in JR's game. He's not a scorer. He's not going to get you tons of birdies and eagles, but... You know, with the cut probably being, you know, even to plus two, um, I think Haas is, is going to sneak by, and he'll just probably get you a 40th or 50th finish, and he'll make the cut. And that's all I need him to do in the guarantee, so he's my pick. Uh, any 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 high-profile fade in this 6 yeah, actually, range? Yeah, I do, and I think my – I'm taking a stand here against Matt Every at 6,800. You know, yeah, he's going to be popular. Form. I think he's going to be highly owned, and – you know, I'm fading him in the hope he tanks back into the Matt Every that he's supposed to be. Now, now we say that as a relative term for the 6K range. Like, the, we've never really seen 10K or 10% 6K, 6K guys. So, um, I think for me, the guy I'm going to fade at 6,900 is Corey Connors. Yeah, I see that. That's a good call. He's never played here before, and people have just been on him, I think, almost 10% last week, which I'm surprised at. I mean, you're on the verge of putting Corey Connors in the 7K price point on DraftKings. No, thank you. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna fade to that Corey Connors play. I think he's gonna be the high price point guy. Um, I think other players that kind of fit that high price, high name fade. Someone like Brandon Grace, you might want to fade him. I haven't done enough research on Grace yet, but um, might be someone that 
Uh, you you might want to fast. You know who I am absolutely going to fade? Who? Cameron Champ. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I'm with you. That's a good one. I, I, I don't even have him highlighted. He must have made my first cut. I mean, with a name like that, you should be winning. And you're absolutely not. So. About Norman Zong, the old uh, college invite from this, this last year. Ooh, fun times. But he's a heavy hitter, so I don't know. I don't know how. I'm not a big. He's only 6K minimum. Well. And you got, you got old Ernie L's. <laughs> all right. Real quick, lineup builds. Stars and scrubs, balanced. What are you doing? I'm balanced. I don't think I'm going to go over 10K this week. As more, The more I think about it, the more I'm going to be heavy in the upper eights, lower nines. Uh, so I'm going to be balanced this week. What about you? It's going to be hard for me to dip into the 6K range. Not that you can't have success, but um, there's just so much value in the 7, 8, 9. And you're right. Like Paying up for that 11 to 10K range is almost seems foolish, but I mean, you could easily just build that balanced lineup with the 8K, 7K range too and leave plenty of money on the table. So, Yep something i want to consider i like it i'm ready i'm pumped for this week it's gonna be fun it is it is oh you men are all alike seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag you better keep your mouth shut oh i think i love him Well, that'll wrap up the cut line and our analysis of the Memorial PGA Tournament. Make sure you check us out next week as we break down the Canadian Open at the Hamilton Golf and Country Club. I want to thank our listeners for spending the time with us, and we wish you the best in line of construction. And hope, oh, hope you win a GPP this weekend. I want to thank Zach for contributing to another excellent edition of the cut line. Thank you, Zach. And you thank can, you. Yeah, you're welcome. You are just the man this week. Um, you can find Zach on Twitter at EaglesFan83. I'm Mike Cavaloos. You can find me at Lunas on Twitter. Also, you can find the cut line at Cutline. Again, a special thanks to PGA and Fantasy National. Get those birdies, eagles, albatrosses, and aces. Thank you so much for listening. Go and get them.